0: everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I have one of my lovely clients with me today, and we are going to talk all about their journey with a reactive dog. <laughs> so let's start from the beginning. Chris, first and foremost, please introduce yourself really quickly and tell the listeners just a little bit about you, where you're located, and then let's talk about Luna and how she came into your life in the first place.
1: Okay, so I'm Chris. I am located in rural California. And like so many other people during the pandemic (laughs) in 2020, I spent much of 2020 doing research about getting another dog and like, what training would I do? And I learned all the things I did wrong with my past dogs. And then in about October, I did find my Luna and Luna is 30 pounds, 74% of which is guard dog breeds. (laughs)
0: Oh my God. Okay. So tell what's the breakdown? I can't even, I know that there's pit bull in there. What else is in there?
1: Yeah. It's a bunch of bully breeds and I meant to pull it up and I didn't, but it's a, it's a ton of bully breeds and then like a little bit of Cocker Spaniel and a little bit of Poodle.
0: Right. Just a dash just to really like mix things up. Right. Oh so my God. Okay. <laughs> But
1: she's so fluffy and like she doesn't, you know, you can see pit in her face if you look closely enough, but she doesn't read as pit, But so much of her is just, it's all bully breeds.
0: Oh my God. Okay. So like Chris was saying, she's 30 pounds. She's got really cute, long, like wavy fur and she is, there's white and tan and it's kind of just mixed around, right?
1: Yeah. And when she's wet, it's very curly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my god, genetics are crazy, aren't they? Like just a dash of poodle in Cocker Spaniel, and that's what happens to a dog's coat. It's wild. Yeah. Big fluffy
1: tail. There's nothing bull about her tail at all. Oh
0: my god. And she's adorable. She is so cute. I will be sure to share a picture of her, everyone listening on the Instagram, so that you can see how adorable she is. Okay, so tell us about her early days with you. How old was she when you adopted her?
1: We think six months. And she had been kind of one of those classic stories somebody saw a pregnant dog and was like oh I gotta take this dog in so she had the litter in the garage I think and just the puppies were in the garage until the people were like you know this wasn't even my dog so I'm gonna surrender all these puppies to a rescue organization
0: right right and I mean shout out to the good Samaritan raising puppies is not easy like (laughs) They did their best, right? Like when you come across a pregnant dog, I mean.
1: Yeah, oh, completely. And I think that um, it is one of those things where you completely understand. And then also once you start learning about reactivity, you're like, oh, this dog spent the first like very vital socialization period, like literally in a garage. (laughs) Like it all makes sense
0: now. For sure, right? Like you can see like the contributing factors as to like, oh, this is probably a contributing factor to why you're like this, right? Like, we love you. We're not going to change you. But whoa, okay. Note to self. If I have the opportunity, do things different early when (laughs) I'm finding puppies.
1: It is one of those. It's like that weirdly seductive thing where you're like, I should never get a puppy. But part of you is like, but a puppy would be such an interesting project. Yeah, right? (laughs) Oh,
0: my God. Oh, my God. You know that I wholeheartedly know that because I just raised a puppy and she spoiled me. She was one of those puppies that was so easy. I'm like, oh, I could do another puppy again. (laughs) Yeah, right. Oh, my God. The last thing I need is another wrecking ball in this house. But anyways, enough about me. Okay, so yeah, she was like, she was roughly...
1: Pick me up with with a spicy puppy, and then I will go for
0: it. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, so she was like roughly six months. Tell us more about like those early days as you were like getting to know her. Like, did you start to notice that reactivity at first, or did that come later?
1: So. Looking back, there are definitely warning signs. Like when I picked her up and, you know, she was like flattened on a lawn and like tail wagging, but like kind of freaked out, like kind of frozen. And the foster mom was like, She's never been on grass before. She's never had a leash on before. You know, like everything was like, she has never had any experiences at all, which at the time I didn't even know was a Red flag.
0: (laughs) Right, like didn't even know that mattered. Like, oh my God, you're just scared. It's okay. We'll we'll figure it out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and all I cared about was like, I had a young child at the time and I just wanted to make sure that this dog was not going to show any aggressive tendencies. And she didn't. She seemed perfect. And you know, in the parlance of sort of rescue organizations, this dog had been around people and dogs and kids and everything and cats and everything was fine. So she wasn't reactive. So that was like, looking back, I was like, yeah, cause she was freaking terrified the whole time. She was frozen in terror, but like, I didn't know that at the time. Oh my so we God. picked her up and introduced her to a whole world <laughs> and like, you know, it was, it was a big adventure And she was immediately sick. She had to like have emergency treatment for they thought it was some. I mean, she was very, very ill. Um, And everything still seemed fine-ish. She got better. She took her meds. And then within, I'd say like the first six weeks, I think, you know, like we had like we went to a party and and. She was going to be the dog that I did everything right with. You know, I had all my training on board. I had lists. I had plans. I had notion databases. I was going to do everything right. And she really couldn't be around people easily. So at first, it was just a lot of barking, but it was that very I don't know how typical this is of like people, reactive dogs, but it was a lot of like, maybe I'm going to stiff you maybe I'm going to bark directly at your face as if I'm going to eat you, you know, like that kind of dichotomy of yeah, behavior.
0: Yeah. So you
1: don't know at first if it's going to be bad. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, I started doing some research and I didn't even, you know, I've had dogs off and on my whole life. I had no idea reactivity was even a thing I had to worry about. I was worried about kennel cough, you know, <laughs> like and now this is a thing. Oh my so that's
0: God. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's one of those things too that, like, you know, when we look back and we reflect, that like she probably didn't get the level of early socialization that could have helped her. Maybe override maybe some of these genetic things that already existed inside of her. And it's okay, we're just there. But yeah, that conflict can be so overwhelming because you know that she's afraid, but you're also like, but you're right up in these people's faces and barking though, and like that seems kind of confusing. It's confusing on a human end to be like, if you're that afraid. Why wouldn't you just move away? Right. But I think because of the combination of like the guard dog, like bully breeds in her, I think her little brain was just telling her like, just bark at it. Just bark, just bark, bark, bark. And just we'll figure it out later. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And it's very much fight or flight. Like there are some dogs who are going to, and she really does have a lot of freeze in her when she has the space. She will just go real tense, but no. If someone walks into her living room that she doesn't know, she is going to act like she will kill you. Right? <laughs> like, right. One of my one of my cousins was like, "Why is your dog so mean?" And I was like, "Dude, she weighs thirty pounds. Like, <laughs> you're huge. <laughs> like, she's terrified. She's scared she of you. Have,
0: she is. Yeah." Scared of you. Oh my God. Oh my God. Bless her nervous little puppy heart. Oh my God. Okay. So, so had big feelings about people, right? Thankfully the immediate family, right? Most importantly, your child, she was totally comfortable with. It was really more people. She didn't know that those reactive behaviors were coming up.
1: Yes. 100%. Everyone who was like in the house or who she saw a lot in the first couple of weeks, she's never had a single problem with. Which was also confusing to me as an owner who didn't know reactivity was a thing. I was like, I don't understand.
0: You know, it's so funny. I remember like really early on in my career, I, I went to this dog training conference and there was a trainer, Janice Bradley is her name. And she did this, this presentation about like this phenomenon where for whatever reason, people who recently adopted dogs meet within like that first week or two basically get like grandfathered in. And she's like, I observe it time and time again, right? She's like, I don't have a lot of data. And I just remember just being like, but yes, right? Like, there's just something about that early period of like, okay, you apparently are part of the immediate family. Okay, fine. You're in, right? So yeah, it's interesting. But I see it happen a lot, right? Like, that Well, I think
1: it's got to be some kind of survival mechanism where you're removed from everything you've previously known. You have to rely on something and so you just kind of like you know attach immediately to whoever it is um, oh,
0: absolutely because they're social species that's how they survive right is being social and I think for her she was just like okay all right I don't know but you all are in you all are in okay and I think that we also I just wanted to shed a little spotlight because Luna deserves some credit here you also have did you have one cat at the time two cats at the time when she came
1: I think we had two And she
0: did a really good job of like, obviously she did like silly puppy stuff at the cats, but there was nothing like dangerous about what she was doing.
1: Nothing. And she's never had, that was also a learning experience. Like the difference between like basic reactivity and like aggression, because she's never shown any, she has never bared her teeth at any creature. Like she wants to chase a squirrel hundred percent, but she's never shown any, you know, I've had terriers who would just go after like rodents, like they're going to eat you. Um, And this dog just wants to play with everyone. This dog is like, you're a cat. I'm a dog. Let's play. And the cats are like, you can fuck off. Oh, wait, sorry. Are we not cursing? The no, guys- we're cursing. <laughs>
0: we're rated explicit. We're rated
1: explicit. <laughs> yeah, because that is absolutely the are Like you can fuck off. I'm not playing. I don't play like that. I'm not interested. Go away. <laughs>
0: Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So credit. To, right. So it's like, obviously you noticed some things, but like the immediate family and other non animal humans of the family, she was doing well with. Okay. So
1: no warning signs, no warning signs whatsoever.
0: Yeah. Okay. So walk us through, like as she started to age, right. Like closer to, you know, the nine, one year old, nine months, one year old range. Do you feel like the behavior started to intensify? Cause it wasn't just People, dogs, also, she had pretty big feelings, about.
1: I would say, and we didn't have any dogs at the time, so that was not a thing. Like, I think probably if we'd had a dog, she would have been fine with that dog, and it would have been the same process. But she was never comfortable seeing dogs in the entire time that I have had her. That remains consistently the number one trigger in her world, is she cannot be around dogs. So... I don't think that I ever saw any comfort with that, but I would say by eight months, she was definitely, you know, I was new dog and I'm like, I'm going to take her for walks. And like, we're going to do all of the normal things. And she just couldn't, like, I remember reading somewhere, some wonderful person on like some blog was like, you don't have to take your dog for a walk. Like I give you permission not to do that. And I was like, (laughs) Oh my thank god! You. Thank you, right? thank you, internet stranger, for giving me permission to not do this thing that like all good dog owners do because we just couldn't, you know, we couldn't get twenty feet down the road before she's lunging and barking at a leaf, you know, anything. It right. was too overstimulating.
0: Right, and it's like you know, circling back to what we we're talking about with the conflict, right? Like. Just being outside as a baseline then was overstimulating for her. And then the sight of the dog was just like set her way, way over threshold. And she didn't have the self-regulatory skills to be able to cope, right? Like, so going out on a walk was actually really ba- bad for both of you. Like it was not productive. It was not enjoyable.
1: <laughs> no, it was trigger stacking for both human and canine at that point. Because both of us were just like, Ugh. Oh
0: my God, right. Right. And, you know, it's one of those things, too. Right. Like what? Like you were mentioning, you live in a rural area. It's not like a highly populated or super dense area. And still, even that was just too much for her sweet little brain. It was too much. Oh, my God. Okay, so tell me the point. Do you remember the point in time where you're like, I need professional help?
1: Yes. Yeah, because it was January of 2021. And so I'd only had her for I got her at the like very end of October and only had her for two or three months. And I, you know, I had done all this research into training, I knew I wanted positive reinforcement only, like I, I already knew that going in. I knew I'd done lots of things wrong with past dogs. And I was like, this is the one. And there was one in my area, one positive reinforcement trainer in my area, and a lot of dude bros going like, I can make your dog behave in three weeks. Oh god (laughs) buy this shock collar from my Amazon list. (laughs) Uh, which I laugh about and then I definitely don't mean to make light of it, but it's a lot of that energy. So I was glad to find one positive reinforcement trainer. And she came out, but she just did not, you know, I think it's a really, um, my Lou is very impaired, you know, like she was by then, she just barked at this lady straight through. And, you know, the lady's like throwing treats for her and going like, no, you can let her approach me. And now I'm like, you know, I should have had Luna across the yard. (laughs) You know, We should have started so much slower. And this trainer, who I'm sure just hasn't seen a dog that was quite this intense, um, was like, "No, it'll be fine in five minutes." <laughs> like it was, it was never fine. It was not going to get. It was not going to get fine with Lou that close to a new new person. So, you know, you learn a lot. Um, I learned that that was not going to be the, tra- the training situation for us. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's like, you know, the dogs who struggle with people in their home are so challenging in the in-person training dynamic, right? Because you have to spend so much time getting over the hurdle of her being able to tolerate the trainer in her presence before you can really get to anything else meaningful. Right? Like,
1: but it's also really interesting because that was an outside, that was outside. I think we have, done so much work now on like greeting in the living room with a stranger who's sitting and doesn't move. Oh my that God, like, right. we figured the only out. A new person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the one way that you can meet a new person. Don't meet in the front yard. Don't meet in the backyard. Meet only in the living room and only if you don't freaking move like, with my <laughs> dog. But she will do all the look at that. She will get used to it a couple of sessions in and she's actually able to handle herself. Now. I didn't know that then at that point, I was like, we have a huge yard. We'll meet out back. <laughs> like, right.
0: Like, okay. Lesson learned. Lesson learned. Yeah. Okay. So how did you find me? I don't think I even know this.
1: Oh gosh. Okay. So then I took her, I took her to UC Davis, which is a really good vet school here in California really long drive not ideal with a crazy dog um but very good and got her hooked up on some meds which immediately I mean okay so how did
0: you know how did you figure that you you deduced on your own that you needed to go to UC Berkeley
1: to Davis and uh, I No, I you know I took her to the normal vet and he was terrible <laughs> and he was basically like, I can see that you're very anxious, and that's what's contributing to your dog. And I was like, Yeah, you. right. Like, blaming um, me for
0: my dog's anxiety is not helpful or true. So let's discuss someone else. He, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, what he did was he was like, This is, you know, you're going to have to take her to a, a behavioralist. This is just too much. So, uh, so you know, and and hey, he referred me out because he couldn't handle it. He didn't conceptualize it that way, but that's what he did. So that's what I'm thankful for. So then we went to Davis and got her on meds, and um, and I started looking at programs like Reactive Redefined, and I did a couple of those free, you know, oh yeah, yeah, well, we'll meet and greet kind of things, and you know, some of them were fine, but I just I don't know, I I felt like you and I could really work together without me having to do a lot of emotional
0: labor in that, in that dynamic. <laughs> we get along very well. We get along very well. And I think it's because we're very similar. I think we both can be very anxious human beings. So I don't, I don't judge you or ask you to do things that you don't have yeah. <laughs> to with for, right? Like,
1: Yeah. And that really is, I mean, I should say that that has been two of my huge things going into this working with people is one, I have massive social anxiety that is not lessened by being on a screen. It's a 100% still there. And two, I'm queer and I look queer and I act fucking queer and all of my mental frameworks are very, very queer. So I needed to know that those were going to be things that I didn't have to keep like, hoping someone was going to be okay with <laughs> because I'm paying money for a service and I oh want to not Oh my god,
0: right. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um yeah, and I think that's an unfortunate barrier for a lot of well, I'm not queer, but I think generally speaking it's a big barrier for a lot of queer people especially in the dog training world because like you said there's a lot of like a lot of that like toxic masculine energy and like that is not going to help you or your dog, right? Like you yeah
1: <laughs> yeah I mean like as on a normal human level I'm like you and on another level I'm like you probably think people like me shouldn't exist like, <laughs> oh I don't want to give you any of my money
0: right and also you knew that it wasn't gonna be like you're gonna be able to work with the trainer once and you would get everything you needed right like you knew that yeah. you were gonna need to connect with someone who could support you continuously
1: yes I knew it was going to be a relationship building thing so yeah Mm -hmm. so I don't know that's how I mean I think it was like literally just um on Instagram actually I think probably I started following lots of dog people on Instagram Mm -hmm. and you can get a vibe from people's you know you can get a right and so so i ended up here i ended up and then like i got on the wait list and the minute it opened up i was like well i kind of don't have this money but fuck it like i've already invested so much in this dog but like we're doing it i gotta do it yeah doing it oh my
0: god okay so really quickly what what meds did they start her on
1: they started her on so she takes massive amounts of gabapentin instantly and fluoxetine 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 yeah
0: Okay, so she had those on board already before you joined Reactive Redefined.
1: Yes, yes, okay. which I think was great.
0: Well, and I remember that initial conversation where you're like, okay, should we, we went to the behavior, she's on the meds. I was like, perfect, because if not, <laughs> we might not be able to do much until we get the meds on board, right? Like, yes. she, and like you said, she is, she's unique that like, she basically was having problems. Well, I don't want to say problems. She was having a hard time coping with basically just like the outside world from the beginning, right? Like
1: you oh, yeah.
0: there was no amount of behavior modification or training that was going to change brain chemistry, right? Like we just right. needed the meds.
1: No, I needed the meds. And I also did, you know, I have frosted sticky stuff on the windows I have curtains up on my deck railings so that you know just all of those basic kind of environmental things um, for a long time I had white noise on in this house 100% of the time because she just every single thing was triggering to her she was kind of in a low grade panic attack all the time you know so you cannot make any kind of progress in that state
0: no because she was just constantly on alert, right? Yeah. Oh my god, I am so excited to talk about how far y'all have come because wow. Wow. Right? Because like, you know, I I catch up with you every month and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you're making such good progress." And like talking about her in the beginning, it just really makes me recognize how far, right? She has come. Okay, so let's talk about reactive redefine. Okay, so in reactive Wait, wait, can I
1: say can yes. I say one more thing? Yes. Cuz I wanted to make sure to say this. Like, I really seriously considered rehoming her. Like, I don't think we talk enough about that conversation and it's just me. I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. You know, I have friends, but if you don't have this experience, you don't understand how impactful, like I literally, she is sleeping in a bed right now and I could not even dream of a moment where I could be working and she would just be okay. Okay. So I spent a lot of time thinking about rehoming her and I just really want to put it out there for all the other people who are having that internal conversation with themselves. Like that is a really hard thing to think about.
0: Right. Well, and also just like the reality is of like, she was six months old. Okay. Like really like coming to grips with like, can I really give this dog 12 to 14 years here? Right. Like, can we really actually make this work? Yeah.
1: And it felt like doom. Like, honestly, it felt like it felt a little bit like, okay, so for the next more than a decade, I'm just never going to leave my house. Cool. No big deal. And I'm a homebody. And that was still like a lot.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Well, and just, you know, just a little insight. You are an author by profession. So you work from home. Yeah. That is your job, your home, you're yeah. working and it's, that's also your livelihood, right? Like you have to write books to make money. And if you can't write books because the dog is constantly following you around, she cannot settle, right? Like, yeah, that's it's a lot. Fa- Yeah. It's a lot to It's a lot. And okay. So I remember that, right? I remember in the beginning when you joined reactive Redefined, you're like, how do I get this dog to stop following me around 24 <laughs>
1: Right. Like Yeah, we have talked about this. It was toddler time. Like anyone who's had a toddler who just wants to like constantly follow you around and like stare at you expectantly, waiting for you to like entertain them. That was my life for a while with this dog.
0: Oh my God. Okay. And it wasn't an immediate fix, right? Like we had to take lots of baby steps to get there. And to your credit, you were so knowledgeable and like Well, read on like the concepts, right? Like, it was really nice because I never really had to explain to you the why. I just told you how, and you just already knew, like, oh, yeah, okay, (laughs) got it. So, okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we started with utilizing the crate a little bit more, right? Because she was semi comfortable in the crate at that point.
1: She was not anti crate, but I also hadn't really trained it specifically enough. Like, she knew she could lie down in it, but it wasn't like a place she felt especially like it was her place.
0: Right. So we worked to make the crate a safer place so that she could spend more time in there just to, well, and let's be honest, like, obviously we're trying to get her to stop following you, but also you're like trying to live your life and work from home. So like we, Mm -hmm. I, I kind of felt like the crate was like, okay, but we... We need her to be crated for a little bit for now. Like, hopefully we'll get over this hurdle, but you know, we need. Yeah. And I
1: still, I mean, I still don't close the door really. Like I'll maybe nudge it shut, but like, I never lock the door of this thing, but we have trained it to the point where if I'm like, lie down in your bed, (laughs) (laughs) like stop bothering me. (laughs) Like you need to go like down. She's like, Oh, okay. And then she falls asleep. You know, like that is a hundred percent. I don't feel bad about it. Like that is just her safe place. And And she likes to be directed
0: there. Right. And she just wasn't really capable of getting there without more of that context, right? Like she's like, okay, but people are moving around. We're just supposed to be moving around, right? Like, no, actually, when people are (laughs) moving around, you don't have to follow us everywhere we go.
1: Training calmness was, I think, the biggest kind of first goal that I took on as a you know because I thought I was going to be training sit and (laughs) fetch you know like I thought I was going to be training the kind of like the fun stuff I didn't know that we were going to start with training like how to be calm or how to sniff she could not I remember dragging my last dog around because he wanted to smell fucking everything and like I didn't know that was such a great thing
0: Oh my God, it makes you appreciate that now. Like, I'm sorry, dude. I should have let you sniff
1: more. I know, man. I'm really, I'm, I, I'm gonna make all the amends. Like, we could have stayed at that one bush that all the dogs peed on for 25 minutes. I'm so sorry. (laughs) And I was like, we're gonna, we gotta be walking. This is the whole point. And now I'm like, dude, focus. You need to be sniffing some things.
0: (laughs) Right, right. And I remember that. And you already were doing like long leash, like, like, treat tosses and stuff in the backyard when you joined the program, right? Because again, you were very well read. You're like, she needs to sniff more. Okay, how can I make this up? Well, yeah,
1: research is my self-soothing place.
0: <laughs> I was like, at the end of my, at the end of my leash,
1: if you will, I would be like, okay, I'm just going to do some like couple hours of research on dog brains now. Oh my
0: God. <laughs> so so a lot of the early work was literally just teaching her how to exist without Wavering on threshold and/or being over threshold, right? Like,
1: I think yes, but I mean, really, I think of the early work was you training me. You know, like the early work was the training that I needed. <laughs> Fundamentally, this is a dog who needs a human who's going to be like very calm and like very clear with communication. You know, <laughs> like and very clear on expectations because she really, I mean, the blessing of Lou is that she really just wants to do what I want her to do <laughs> when she's not triggered to fuck. So um, that, I think, was the biggest part of our early training relationship, you and I, is, like, you just kind of reinforcing for me, like, what 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 is our goal? Okay, just, like, you got to be a little clear about your expectations. She doesn't know what you want in this clip, you know? Yeah,
0: and I remember, like, you have this great space, right? Like the nice thing about being rural is you have a lot of, you have a very big yard. Mm-hmm. And we did a lot of like, okay, she's out on the long leash, let her sniff, let her find cookies, do one minute of training, let her go back to it, do one minute of training, go back to it. Right. And I loved, oh my gosh, it's like, it's all flooding back to me. Those early videos, we were just teaching her to walk at your side on cue and not because we really wanted her to do it for any right. other reason except for I wanted to see you two working together and doing something else right seeing like can luna even really engage with you can she participate in training in the yard and it turns out she once you spell things out for her like hey we're going to do this thing and you're going to get clicks and cookies she's like yeah i'd love to right like she yes. really does i think i don't think i know you did a brilliant job of really empowering her to be a motivated learner right because we set it up. There was a pressure. We weren't making her do things. you are like, Hey, you want to do this for cookies? And so she was like, Oh, that's a thing we can do.
1: Yeah. And it's all play to her. You know, like, I think that for me, so much of that was like, this is a management activity. This is like a, we need this for daily life because you have to fucking sit down and leave me the fuck alone. You know, yeah. like I didn't think of it as games and those are all games for her you know like the minute I reframed it in my own head like we do walk outside just for fucking fun Like there's really no need for it she's always on a long line but I'm like walk outside and then I'm gonna go faster and then I'm gonna slow down you know like all of those things are just fucking fun for her
0: Yes. Oh my God. And it shows her prancing. Oh my God. And her floppy ears and that tail. Like when she prances, right? Like when she walks next to you and her little ears prance and her little tail is like happy and flagging. And she's like, yeah, this is fun. Right. (laughs) And, and I think, and that once I started to see that, then I was like, oh my God. Okay, cool. Let's do a lot of other skills training just for fun. More than And obviously, a lot of those skills now have function, right? A lot of function. Yeah. But but we did a lot of stuff in the beginning just for fun, just to captivate her as a learner, right? And, you know, slowly but surely realizing that, like, one, it was totally fine not to take her for walks, but also encouraging, like, okay, get her out of the neighborhood. Can you go to a park where there's nothing going on? Can we let her do some stuff on the long leash there? Right. And like, I remember I I never wanted to push you, but I was like, when you're ready, do some scouting, go, <laughs> and, go and look. Right. Because it's, you know, you, you, you knew at that time that like, if you were somewhere and there was a lot going on, it was going to be really hard for her. And I think that that creates a lot of stress on your part too, because you're like, oh my God, but if we go somewhere, there's a bunch of people and she loses her shit. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm not comfortable in those situations, you know, like I don't, want to be around a lot of people. So I think a huge hurdle for our training was just like, I don't want to go to (laughs) PetSmart. Right, right. And (laughs) this this dog is probably never going to be a dog you can take into a store. But like, those were like, not situations. Like a lot of, I think, um, your encouragement has been very valuable because I am not always in a mental space where I can take on like, we're going to go intentionally be around triggers so that we can do some training. <laughs> like I'm just not, because that's, those are all my triggers too. Humans are also my triggers. <laughs> and I got a lot of meds on board as well, but like, you know, not every day can't be that day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I love so much about the backyard work because like that was one that you're like, yeah, no, I can definitely do that like multiple times a week. Like, right? So we started with splitting steps for you too, right? Like what are actually achievable things that you have the bandwidth to do? Do those, right? Like it does, if you can't get her to the park, who fucking cares? Don't go. It doesn't really matter if you can't get there, but when you have the bandwidth, it's good feedback, right? Like because the meds were on board and slowly but surely she was starting to, she was starting to stabilize. Is that an accurate way to put it, right? Like she was capable of coping with a lot more than she previously could.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of that's the meds. And I think a lot of it was also, I I went into reactive, redefine going like, I want to have a plan. I want to have goals. I want to have milestones. I like really wanted to go very OCD on the whole thing. I wanted to project manage everything about my dogs, like mental health, basically. And through the process of working with you, we did a lot more things that, I couldn't fit into like our goal is to be able to do this but it all was so it just made our relationship so much stronger that like now I see I mean we've been working together for like a year and a half yeah (laughs) a year ago even I saw that like doing all of that relationship work with my dog has had so many benefits that I couldn't like our training videos don't look that much different, but they feel so different. <laughs> Cause like, I'm like, Ooh. and she's like, what? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, do something else.
0: Well, and it's just like, you know, I think that early on we just had to create for her this like possibility in some of those moments, like especially when she was faced with something that she felt like charging at and barking was her only option and just realized like helping her realize like, no, I'm here. It's okay. Just come like, we can work through this together. And that was like, that was so much of it is just helping Lou internalize and practice and repeat. Like, oh my God, there's a scary thing. And you being there and be like, Hey, I'm going to help you. We're going to get away a little bit. Her being like, okay, I didn't die. I didn't die. Right. Because I really think she felt like she was just fighting for her life in a lot of situations.
1: All the time, all the time. And I think that when you start building in more calm and more stations and more eye contact and reinforcing for eye contact and reinforcing for check-ins and all of those things, you know, you're just building a dog who has so much more ability to take that moment and breathe first before, like, I have to go kill that jogger who's literally half a mile away and jogging in the other direction (laughs) that jogger who doesn't know you exist because you're so far away and they're not even looking at you
0: I remember that early conversation about like distance like distance thresholds and I was like so what distance can she cope and and you were like it doesn't matter if she can (laughs) see it right anything if she can see it even if it's like a mile away it's still hard for her right? And I think that she still needs a lot of distance, but that has decreased how much she needs to be successful a lot.
1: Oh, huge. And I mean, you know, it used to be voices, you know, she's like, she didn't even have to hear, but like, if she could, she didn't have to see, but if she could hear someone, she was like, I'm gonna kill that thing, whatever that is, I'm gonna kill it. (laughs) Um, You know, and, and now she can hear the neighbors talking and she looks up. And sometimes I have to say something. And sometimes I don't even have to say something. And she goes back to sniffing or doing whatever she was doing. So that's a miracle. You know, if you had told me a year and a half ago that that would ever be a thing that she was capable, that either of us was capable, that I was capable of not like immediately going like this and like yanking on the leash, then I wouldn't have believed it.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think that we can't have this conversation without talking about the social pressure that's on you when you're attached to her in public spaces, right? Like you generally don't want people's attention anyways, right? And right. now you're faced with this dog who attracts a lot of attention to herself, right? So you're having to like deal with that while you're also trying to help her, right? And I remember just having a lot of conversations of like, just talk to her, tell her, oh. I know you're scared. It's okay. <laughs> And that can soften other people's perception of what's happening because it's real, right? Like, it's all fun and games to be like, I don't care what other people think. Well, yeah, like, that's the goal. We're trying. But, like, you know, and you live in a small, well, rural area, probably not the smallest town, but, like, those people might see you again, right? It's not like you can just remain anonymous, per se.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that I, just due to, like, my own screwball coping mechanisms, can detach from caring about what people think of me in a way that means I have to do a lot of therapy (laughs) but like not in a healthy way in a very unhealthy extreme way but I do think that it is the thing where in my perfect world I could be invisible (laughs) and you cannot be invisible when you have a dog who like Hears children laughing and immediately is lunging at the end of the leash as if she wants to kill those children. <laughs> like that is, it is impossible to go unnoticed when that happens. And particularly because she looks very cute and very non-threatening. You know, like she challenges people's expectations in a way that makes people very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so you just I think having a reactive dog means that you end up dealing with a lot of other people's personal discomfort
0: yeah
1: in a way that is really annoying
0: yeah oh my god and stressful so stressful yeah. oh my god oh my stressful.
1: god yeah that moment where you like close the car doors and you just sit there going like oh thank god <laughs> <the car?" laughs> It's over. like even if the dog is still barking you're like it's okay <laughs> i can't get out of
0: the car oh my god oh my god okay so Um, while Luna is still not a dog who loves neighborhood walks, right? Like that's not, that's not a way to fill her doggy cup, right? Like it just isn't and that's okay. But she does enjoy getting out for like hikes where there's more solitude and she gets to be on the long leash, right? And do you want to speak to that a little bit? Like, because over the last year and a half, I know that that's something that has been slowly, but surely a little bit easier for you both to go out and do successfully.
1: Oh, yeah, because we went from me going on hikes by myself and feeling really, really guilty for not taking her with me, because um, that was one of my dreams in my perfect dog world where I was going to get this dog and she's going to go on all these hikes, uh, to being able to, and I can still take hikes alone. Like I have grown my ability to not feel bad about that, but I can also bring her out on the long line, and she's all over the place and she's sniffing and she comes back when I call her and it's very low key and we just have a nice time. So that's been really good. Except for that one time where she did run and like go up to some guy and bark at his face. Right. Right. (laughs) That happens, you know, and we've gone out since, which is uh, good. And I do, I have been training the dog whistle, which worked the other day when she was barking at things. And I was like, we've arrived. <laughs> yes. We have a train dog whistle now.
0: Yes. Oh my God. Oh my God. And you know, it is inevitable. Okay. Like it is not just like this rainbows and ponies of like, we do training and we do things slow and steady. And there's never ridiculous shit that happens when we're with these dogs. <laughs> right. That's so to- hard, to
1: accept.
0: Uh, so <laughs> hard be, to accept. There should be, a,
1: there should be a guarantee. There should be like, if you take it slow enough, you will never have that moment. But we have taken things very, very slowly. Mostly because of me. And, you know, sometimes things happen.
0: Okay, but I think most importantly about this whole, like, you know, minor kerfuffle is that you (laughs) got her away, she shook it off, and so did you, and that didn't prevent you from taking her out again.
1: No, and we were out for another 25 minutes, and she was fine. And that would have never happened. I think that's also a lot, the men's. Oh, absolutely. He had no ability to recover from fucking anything, (laughs) Uh, before meds
0: were right and it I mean it would have taken days if even in those days she could have actually recovered right without the
1: literal literal days I mean we went to that one vet appointment and both of us spent the next two days like zombies (laughs) we were both so stressed out after that so I am grateful All the time that now, you know, even if she sees a dog, if we walk away and she gets some distance, she can sniff things, you know, which never, ever could have happened before.
0: Oh, my God. And, you know, like you were saying before, ultimately, she really does want to pay attention to you and connect with you. Right. Like that's just kind of her default because she's like, "Mm, I don't know. Can you help me? You're like, yes, I can. Everything's (laughs) going to be okay here. (laughs) And I feel like we've really set up a lot more scenarios, especially over the last like, you know, year where she was able to like, okay, you need to yell at that thing for like two seconds, whatever. I'm going to be over here. When you're ready, I'm going to be over here. And it's easier for her to choose those things in those moments. And you have the, the handling skills to be like, I don't need to immediately reel her in. I literally just need to hang on to the leash and move away. And that subtle prompt is probably going to be enough to convince her to disengage. Right. Yeah. And
1: we can do that training all the time where like she's on a 50 foot line, which obviously not great in cities. Really perfect for my particular property. And like she's like, oh, I'm going to bark at something over here. I'm getting ready to bark. And I'm like just walking away, slowly letting the leash out. And like I don't even have to say anything. And she's like, I'm going to bark once and then maybe I'll just go with you. (laughs) Like I'm just going to give that one like woof just so that everybody knows I'm here. And then I'm gonna detach because I don't care.
0: Yeah. And <laughs> it's like I, I feel like we've shifted to this point of like she's doing I, I don't I I think we can label it just a normal level of barking sometimes. Like it's not even necessarily reacting. Right? Like No, no, does, yeah. She, and she kind of just is vocal sometimes. She just wants to be like, hey, I'm here. I see you. All right, I'm leaving. Yeah. Bye.
1: <laughs> more and more. Every more and more her human triggering is really low key. Like unless somebody is jogging at us. Um It is really just a level of like, I just want everybody to know that I'm here, (laughs) like, you know, and then I can just walk away after that. So that's been
0: awesome. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Huge progress. And, you know, and and I also I want to circle back really quickly because we had some conversations about like, you don't have to take her hiking all the time (laughs) because sometimes. And something else we talked about, right? You were doing hikes in the morning, right? Like that was fitting in good with your schedule. And turns out Loon is not really an (laughs) early morning dog. Like she doesn't really want to get up and go and do things earlier either, right? Which I think was another good thing just to be like, you don't even want to get up. So I'm not going to feel guilty at all because you don't even want to (laughs) come.
1: Yes. And just, you know, all of the things I think that we have so many um, and this all existed before social media, but social media definitely reinforces a lot of these messages where it's like you get up in the morning and you take your dog for a walk and you like do this and do that. <laughs> and it's like this dog will sleep in until 10 a.m. She's going to like be in her blanket. She wants to be covered. She's going to bury her nose on her blanket. She doesn't want to get up. She'll take her meds. She's going back to bed.
0: <laughs> right. And, you know, it's like in addition to a lot of the skills training. Right. We did like you did. Play training, muzzle training. You did some consent stuff, right? Like you were able to sprinkle all those things in. And like for her as an individual, not going for a long walk or hike is fine for her, right? Like she actually is fine with that as a baseline and sprinkling in some training sessions during the day actually really fills her cup beautifully, right? Like, so. And
1: short, short training sessions, because I was like, this dog is a, this dog is a full-time job. I cannot do this dog. And really it's 30 seconds. Sometimes it's do a couple of spins before you can run to the end of your long line, you know, like just really small, small moments in our day that just reinforces that relationship building all the time. And I think that's been more helpful than any, you know, longer than four minute training session I've ever done is just kind of incorporating those moments into the day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you know, to be able to go from like, can I actually care for this dog for the duration of her life to you basically can trust her to respond and do what you need her to do in like 90% of the situations that she's in with you? Like, wow. It's huge. uh,
1: That's how, yeah, you just framed that in a way that I have never thought about it. Yeah, you're right. That's huge. Right. Because, you know, and that is a lot down to, um, you and your encouragement, because I, as you know, tend to be like, we're not getting anything done. I haven't shot any videos. <laughs> i a, a little bit self-critical, a little bit unable to see how far we've come. So yeah, you're right. No, I, I, I could go out with her with a cup of tea in my hand right now and probably not spill it. <laughs>
0: Hey, Which is huge, right? Because she's only 30 yeah. pounds, but she has a freaking wrecking ball of 30 pounds. Okay. Like let, 30 pounds up, at, this the guy G- a, oh, yeah.
1: at the end of a 50 foot sprint is yeah. more than 30 pounds. I don't <laughs> know the physics, but I know it's more
0: than 30 <laughs> pounds at that point.
1: Oh my God. Right.
0: <laughs> and like she's got that blocky build too. Right. Like she's short <laughs> and muscular, very muscular. <laughs> oh, my oh my God. Um, and you know, so. I know that the group calls at first were kind of overwhelming for you, but I feel like over time, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the group calls actually started to be reinforcing for you and not as oh, overwhelming. Well,
1: I mean, they were reinforcing when they were also overwhelming when I was still right. taking like my like beta blocker people before, <laughs> before the, each call to make sure that my heart rate wasn't going to spike too much. Um, Lots of anxiety in this household. Um, To a certain degree, a reactive dog could not have landed in a better household because we all understand. (laughs) Right, right. But yeah, the group calls were really, really good. It's just so isolating. um, And it's so everybody's, got ideas for how you should train your dog so it's really nice to be in a group of people who have similar ideas and who aren't just like well you just got to be more disciplined you got to you know you got to be the alpha she doesn't know you're the alpha (laughs) which is a myth we know it's a myth the guy who came up with it's like please stop using this in dog training it's a myth I'm sorry I misinterpreted my own results um so yeah I I think that was really great and just you know people come up with stuff that you wouldn't Think about like we, um, I don't remember the humans. The dog was happy and they did uh, like spin, spin, touch. And that was just a thing to like reorient happy on a walk when there were triggers. And I, to this day, still use that, you know, like to this day, I'm like, I'm sure you can give me a spin right now. And Luna's like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'll do that. Instead of like freaking out about that squirrel. <laughs> oh
0: my God. Right, just that simple pattern, right? Of like already really reinforcing c- behavior, yeah. right? Spinning is already reinforcing. Touching is already reinforcing, right? And like, yeah, and like, not having
1: treats all the time. You don't always have your like Charlie Bears or whatever in your yeah, right. and like having some behaviors that are in themselves the reinforcement has been hugely helpful.
0: Yeah, just like helping shift her out of that. Like, do I need to be worried about what's happening right now? Like. You could just do some spins and feel better. And she's like, okay, yeah, no, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And
1: And most of the time she's like, oh, okay, I can go back to sniffing now. You know, like really totally okay now.
0: Oh my God. And she sleeps peacefully and you can work from home without feeling like you have a toddler who can't cope without you. Which is huge. Literally
1: asleep this entire call. Amazing.
0: Oh my God. She is the best. Okay. So... If there's someone listening who maybe has a dog who is the level of challenging that Luna is, what would you say to them?
1: Oh man. I mean, first I would say you have to make decisions that are good for you because you cannot be a good guard dog, a good dog guardian, a good dog for your dog. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you can ground yourself and that's, so hard and it sounds like such bullshit advice but it's i had to get to a place where i could just be like she's low-key freaking out and i'm gonna go sit in my car for a little while <laughs> because i just can't support this dog right now in my own emotional state so that would be definitely my first thing and 100 percent find a trainer if you have the resources if you can squeeze the resources out of your budget who you get along with and can build a relationship with, because it is so reinforcing as a human to have another human being like, you're doing a good job.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. And it's one of those, you know, like sometimes we check in and I'm like, wow, okay, cool. Try doing this. And other times I'm like, it doesn't matter. Right. Like you didn't have the bandwidth (laughs) this week. It's fine. Right. And I think that, you know, As trainers, we want to make sure that we're providing as much value as we can for our clients, you know? And I think in an effort to do that, oftentimes we overcompensate and we assign too much. And I totally did that early on in my career, but you know, we have to realize that like, we're, we're utilizing the exact same splitting principles with human behavior that we are with dog behavior, right? So if you're working with a trainer and they're like making, they're telling you to do all these things you can't do it, tell them, right? Like, Hey, I don't have the bandwidth to all those. Can you make these into smaller steps for me? Right. And I feel like that's something that we really got in. We've gotten into a beautiful rhythm with, right. It's just being like, where are you at? How are you this week? What do you have the bandwidth for? Let's fit a few things in there because I mean, we keep saying you don't have the bandwidth, which is ridiculous because you have done so much with this dog over (laughs) a year and a half. Okay. And you know, it's just like, and different things come up, right? Like you, you have been able to take her to a a property with lots of space. And it was one of those like, okay, recall needs to go on the top of the list. And turns out once your whistle finally arrives, you can do a lot of (laughs) trading with it, right? Yeah.
1: And just, I mean, I think also, and this is just not as like an advertisement for you guys, but I, if you are a person who will take on 8,000 things, even if you can't handle it, like, Rachel, you have specifically been like, okay, <laughs> let's, let's get some space because I will totally take on like, you know, one of your things is like, don't train more than three things. And man, I had lists. I had so many bullet points on my list. And you were like, okay, but what is the thing that you're going to focus on this month? And that's really, really been helpful. Because you just, you know, you you can dig yourself in a hole as a dog guardian trying to do everything that is right for your dog. Because there's so many things.
0: Right. And ultimately, like, Luna has a kick-ass quality of life. She's great. She loves her life. Like, have you ever seen, have you seen, like, the the trending, like, Instagram sound? And it's like, Dear Diary... I love my life. Like that's Luna. She does. <laughs> she's so happy, right? Like she has such an extraordinary quality of life. And like, you know, sometimes we just have to bring it back to that, right? Like sh- you have gone above and beyond, right? Like she's living a great life. And if we can sp- like sprinkle in the whistle training, or if we can sprinkle in some more muzzle training, yeah. or if we can sprinkle in a little bit more consent and care training, that's all just icing on the cake. Right. But you've, you've, you've worked so hard over the year and the last year and a half to get her to this point where like, okay, you're good. You're stable. Yeah. It's like,
1: and it's all still relationship building, which is like, you know, we don't have the huge needs that we had when I first joined the program where I was like, I'm gonna lose my mom with the <laughs> dog." <laughs> like, now everything is kind of chill. But doing a little bit of muzzle training is still fun for her. She still thinks that's a fucking game. Like the fact that the vet is like, this dog needs a muscle is not on Luna's uh, list at all. Like she doesn't care because it's just a fun thing for her. So I think a lot of that is just perspective. Um, And that is why I continue with training in like a, a human training (laughs) format, because I think that's still really helpful for me to once a month be like, okay, we didn't do all the things I wanted them to do, but we did do random muscle training for like no, no reason at all, just because it was there and we had fun.
0: And it's just fun to like collect that data every month of like, you know, like, okay, we're in this family social setting and I kept her on leash because I felt like I needed to, but honestly, she probably would have been fine without it. Right. Like, it's just nice to like be able to be like, okay, but all of this happens. Does this mean what I think it means? Right. And Nine times out of 10, yes, it does, right? Like, you know her very freaking well at this point, right? But it, it's really nice just to be able to support you and just like those little, they're just seeds that I plant. And like, maybe when the scenario, yeah, and- when the perfect scenario presents itself, try this. If it doesn't come <laughs> up for a couple of months, it doesn't. But now you know, totally. right? That that's something you could experiment with her in the future.
1: Totally, yeah, just having those little suggestions that I wouldn't have thought of and that I don't think of in the moment when like we are faced with a trigger and just having somebody say like, oh, what about this like would that have worked like could that work next time you know like just very low pressure like
0: she's capable of doing more and more things in those spaces that
1: yeah, as long as we have like distance, yeah, she totally is, which is. I cannot stress enough how I did not believe that was possible. That was ever going to be possible for us.
0: And look at you now. (laughs) Oh
1: my God. Cue music. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh my God. Chris, thank you so much for talking with me. I know the listeners are really going to appreciate this episode. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. There are loads of ways to support this podcast. Many of you who have left reviews. Many of you have shared this podcast with your friends and family. But we've created another way for you to support this podcast by making a monetary financial contribution. You can choose from a one-time contribution or making a small monthly contribution to continue to make disorderly dogs possible. You can learn more at the link in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show.